Well, good evening, Family Church, Gosport, um, Bridgebury, and uh, for anybody else that may be watching um, online tonight or over catch up over the next few days, it's great to have you with us. And uh, I just trust in tonight's message is going to really just speak into your heart, speak into the journey wherever you are right now in your walk with God. Before we get started and while people are joining us tonight, um, number one, I've got to give a big shout out to Lynn Gallagher um, in the fantasy football. Um, I noticed that she is in third place today. Uh, so well done, Lynn. Um, you've overtaken me and um, you're now the top place for Family Church Gospel Bridgery and uh, the whole of Family Church that are involved. So well done, Lynn. Um, also, I must give a, a massive shout out to all our Connect groups, um, especially those um, that are running during this time of COVID. Just really want to thank you for putting into the lives of those that are in your teams and your groups um, and making this, this time of, of lockdown and isolation uh, that much more bearable where people can join uh, your Connect group week in, week out. And I just really want to say thank you for, for those that have started one, those that have continued one, and those that had one and are praying for um, people that are in their teams. We would love for you, if you're not in a Connect group, we would love for you to join one of the Connect groups. So if you're wanting a Connect group um, on and pretty much any night of the week, feel free to email me and we will see about getting you into one of the Connect groups because it's really important that we stay connected during this time um, and beyond. So that's brilliant. That's just a quick plug for each of you that are running one. Thank you so much. It's been a lifeline to many and uh, that's just a, a real joy to us. Um, tonight we're going to continue looking at these thoughts about building the house and uh, I don't know about you but one of my favourite subjects on speaking is about building the house. It's about the house of God, the church, what that looks like what it should look like, what it looked like um, at the beginning in the book of Acts, what it'll look like um, through what the book of Revelation speaks about, um, and, and how we right now need to be building the house of God and what that looks like. Last Sunday night, we were looking at the fact that God absolutely desires, he wants, he yearns for a close relationship with, with us, his people. God wants relationship. We saw all the different avenues, the temple, the tabernacle, um, and, and, and then eventually uh, the Holy Spirit coming and then dwelling in us, making his home within us. He absolutely desires and longs for us to want him to be at the very center of our lives, the very centre of our decision making, the very centre of, of, of our finances, the very centre of, of our walk with him and our walk with our family, walk in our relationship. God wants to be at the very centre of our lives. Something I believe is truly missing in our heart, in our life, in our journey, when our Christian experience is turning to God in a last minute ditch hope that he'll come through. Something is really missing if we do something, go somewhere, achieve something, and then think, oh, maybe God was in that, as an, something like an afterthought. Something's really missing because he actually wants to be at the forefront and the center of our life. 
but also that goes for his church. Remember, the Bible clearly says that we are the body of Christ. He is the head, but we are the body. And, and you know, with, with that thought, we are also the bride of Christ. So we, can, we cannot look at church or our relationship as being having God as a tag along or a, a spare part in case we need him. He, is, he ought to be at the very centre. Remember the, the command that Jesus said, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. That is the command. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all the other things will be added unto you. So there is very much an emphasis on seeking God first. We should never be thinking that church is a chore or a bore or a, an add-on or a tag-on if there's room in our life to fit it in. Our lives shouldn't be trying to fit in church or fit in a relationship with God, but everything around our life needs to fit around him. He has to be the hub. Uh, he has to be central. He has to be the centre part. Jesus at the centre of it all. Jesus and his bride, the church, really do need centre stage in our life. The question for you tonight really is this. Is Jesus and is his church still at the very centre of your thinking, of your time, of your thought, of your effort? Is he, is he and his bride the church of great value and importance in your life listen to this scripture in ephesians chapter 1 verse 23 it is so powerful and it has uh, it just shows us the value of these things in verse 23 it says at the center of all this christ rules the church the church you see is not peripheral to the world. In other words, the world is not the hub and the church revolving around what life is. But the the world is peripheral to the church. So the church is at the center and everything else around our work, our family, our life, our hobbies, our sport, our activities, our everything else should revolve around the hub of who Jesus Christ and the church is. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body, me and you and each one of us, in which he speaks and he acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. And, and as I've been in this room, I've been out here for about an hour, getting the lights ready, but the whole time, I've allowed the worship of God to fill this room. I've allowed the presence of God with an attitude of worship before him to fill this room. Why? Because his presence. Now, I just don't want things from God. I want him, his presence in my life. God's master plan has always been to build his church. Not necessarily the building or some sort of magnificent structure. But us, his people, we are the church. We are his dwelling place, the place where he abides forever 
in our life. I read this scripture last Sunday. Um, it meant so much to me. Um, I want to read it again this week. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the spirit of holiness who lives in you? You don't belong to yourselves any longer. For the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside your sanctuary. I don't know about you, but that needs to drop from here to here and then back up to here. I need it to have I need it to have an understanding. I need the revelation and then I need to outwork that truth. And so do we all. Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the spirit of holiness who lives in you? What a beautiful, powerful um, instruction and truth. You don't belong to yourself any longer. Why? Because the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside this sanctuary. That is so powerful. It, I guess it's this amazing relationship that we have with God, this amazing connection that we have with him, knowing his abiding presence is in us. It enables us to see and to be involved in situations that are impossible that turn around. Why? Because there's this incredible relationship between heaven and earth, between us and our Father in heaven, who now lives and abides in us to do his good pleasure. That the power uh, of God now resides in us as earthen vessels. Therefore, there is nothing that is impossible and all things are possible to turn around in him. It's where we see God giving beauty for ashes. It's where he brings restoration from despair, redemption from destruction, new beginnings from old ways and fresh new starts. Why? Because he remembers our sin no more. It's a powerful truth. And I want to say this to you tonight. If there are areas in your life and you're needing God to bring restoration or bring healing or bring a breakthrough or bring a fresh new start in your journey, can I encourage you to draw on the spirit of God tonight and allow him to download into your heart through the word of God as it's ministered tonight, allowing him to speak into your life tonight. Let's pray. Father, I pray for a holy anointing to fill every home and every life as they hear your word that incorruptible seed the word of God going into our, our hearts father I pray you'll take a hold of that word and Lord quicken it bring revelation of your word into our hearts tonight Lord Jesus we pray amen throughout history God has been in the business of restoring lives reconciling man and God through his son Jesus Christ and giving us a brand new start and and we all probably know this scripture uh, in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 it's it's we've we've read it we've quoted it we've perhaps used it in many different ways but have we really outworked that passage of scripture in our own personal lives. Let me read it to you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, we read these words. Therefore, if any 
one is in Christ. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. It's a beautiful passage of scripture, very much talking about that new birth, that new walk, that new relationship, that that's the old man of sin has been done away with, the, the new man born again in Christ, um, coming to the forefront of our lives. It's powerful. This passage talks about transformation from an old life to a new life. It talks about a restoration of being separated from God and brought closer to him. It talks about redemption, what Christ has done for us. And now that we're in him, washed with his blood, we are now free to be called the sons of God. But I guess one of the most crucial things in this passage of scripture here tonight is the understanding of identification. We need to understand and identify with what's being said. The key to our transformation is to identify with what has taken place. If anyone is in Christ. It doesn't say if anyone lives up to a certain standard or if anyone works hard enough or if anyone is religious enough or if anyone reads the Bible the right amount of times per year, if anyone is on their knees praying. It doesn't say that. It says if anyone is in Christ, it's Christ alone who saves us. It's Christ alone who redeems us. It's Christ alone who enables us to go through the doorway into heaven. In Christ alone. That's where our identification has to be. And once once we identify, I once was alive, but now I'm I once was dead, but now I'm alive, not in my sin and trespasses as once before, but in a new creation reality. I am now identifying with him. Living from the knowledge of being in Christ. Is, the, is vital if, we, if we're going to see victory over darkness. Our identity of being in Christ is so important. I can do thing, all things through Christ being in him. I can do them. But also walking in the power of God. When we identify with being in Christ, we can walk in the power of God. But also receiving wisdom, understanding the freedom that we have now why? Because it was for freedom that Christ has come to set us free. And it's using our identity, our new identity in Christ, that brings transformation in our hearts and in our lives. I want us tonight to look at a particular character in the Bible called Nehemiah. And we're going to use him as a bit of a, uh, a person to, to, to pick up on tonight. Uh, because there's so much in the book of Nehemiah, there's so many uh, great attributes to Nehemiah's life, but also to the work he did in building the city walls of Jerusalem. And just like Nehemiah built the walls of the city of Jerusalem, I believe God is calling us to build again the house of God, the church, and, and, and to cause the church to rise from this time of isolation, separation, where we've had to close down, where we've had to shut things down. The church hasn't stopped. The, the ministry of God hasn't stopped. The building and coming together may have done, but not the work of God. And, and, and Nehemiah was a man in the Old Testament who understood who he was in God. 
He knew that he was one of God's covenant people, like the people of Israel. They were all God's covenant people. But Nehemiah, he had tapped into something that was powerful. And I believe we can do exactly the same. We can tap into the goodness and the good things of God. I want to read this to you in first uh, Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 8. It says this, remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though some of you were cast out to the furthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. Now, these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, I pray. Please let your ear be attentive to, your, to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day, I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Here we see um, Nehemiah, he's declaring his position. He's acknowledging his position in God. He's acknowledging that you know, they were a, dis a disobedient people. They had done disobedient things. But as they returned, that God was now on a bound. He was committed. He would be able to move on their behalf once again. See, when Nehemiah heard that the city walls of Jerusalem had been destroyed, it stirred him. It, it moved him. It it overwhelmed him. Why could this have happened to the city of Jerusalem? For those who were dwelling in the ruins of the city of Jerusalem, there was a sense of hopelessness and complete despair going on in their, in their lives. There, were, there was a despondency that was in, in the heart of the people. But Nehemiah, he didn't see uh, or, or hear and caused him to have a despondent heart. He went and prayed. He went and sought God. He went and prayed and fasted and, and was before his face and lamented before God, but not out of despair. He knew that this was an opportunity to rebuild the city walls of Jerusalem again. I guess tonight, Family Church, this is a call to each and every one of us. Everyone listening, everyone who gets to hear this message, are we ready to re rebuild the church from this season that we've all been through? Are you ready to start rolling up your sleeves and say, OK, what needs to be done? You see, a couple of months ago, I asked the question, if we start doing kids church in January, who would be willing to get the kids back into the house of God? Who would be willing to teach the kids? Do you know what happened? I got a handful. I need three handfuls. I need at least 15 workers. And I don't expect it just to be kids church workers. They can be hosting team, worship team. They can be car park people in the team. I just need as many people as we can get doing kids church when we're ready to open the doors for our kids church to come back in so that they hear the word of God. They get some worship going in their heart, that they're taught the things of God before them. Our children need this from us. 
What I need is a few people to say, I'm going to roll up my sleeves. I'm, I'm going to count me in. I, as for me, I'm going to be in. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a rebuilder of the broken down walls. We need you to step up when the time is ready. We can't allow ourselves to be complacent. Well, somebody else will do it. Do you know what? The amount of times that, that um, I, I've sent out an email or a request, can you help? Do you know what? There are times I get despondent because I get a few faithful people who come back because everybody else seems to think that everybody else does it. Let's not think that somebody else is going to step forward. Let's all step forward. It is better for me to turn around and say, I'm sorry, there are too many. Let's have three groups of 15 so that we're not running the same people into the ground and we can spread the weight amongst ourselves. Don't be hopeless during these times. Can I assure you, we will be gathering again. That is an absolute as soon as we're out of lockdown and we move down a tier, we will start our gatherings. We can, even tonight, we could be doing this down at Bridgebury um, because the law allows us to do so. Common sense to me says no, not right now. But as soon as we're out of lockdown and as soon as there is an opportunity, we will be getting down to Bridgebury and we'll preach on a Sunday night. We'll do it live on here, but we'll do it um, live and in person at Bridgeway. And we would love you to start coming along and signing up for that. But we will gather again. We will be celebrating in praise and in worship together corporately again. We will be spending time in fellowship and relationship with each other again. It will happen. But for Nehemiah, he didn't know the time span of when, and we don't right now. But all the time we're waiting Let's be building ourselves up. Nehemiah was built up. He was ready. He was fired up. He was raring to go. Family church, that's how we've got to be. Raring to go. Not, not all of a sudden doors are open. Everything's great. Oh, and then we're dragging ourselves along. No, no. Let's get fired up. Ready to go. Now. Right now. You know, stir up the gift of God within you so that we're ready to start doing church in a normal way again. The vision to rebuild was birthed in the heart of Nehemiah, and he knew that God was going to bless the work of his hands. See, the, the book of Nehemiah speaks about one man that had a spiritual light burning in his heart, but that one light set a whole city ablaze with future vision and heart to build the house of, uh, of the walls again. I want my heart, I want your heart to be burning with a desire and a hunger to build the house again and bring in others with us along in that journey. I want to see moments of restoration, reconciliation, rebuilding going on not just here in the life of Nehemiah but in every heart and every life every person that's ever taken a breath every person that's acknowledged Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that there is that reconnecting that rebuilding that repurposing that refocus in our heart 
as we look to regather again on the Sundays, hopefully in the not too distant future. We need men and women who will carry the heart of Nehemiah. Why do I say that? Because we're a church who carries good news. Remember, we are the hub and the world should revolve around that hub. Not us revolving around the world. Let's get our priorities right. Let's stir up the gift of God that is within us. You know, we have such good news of salvation. The message of salvation is powerful. It's life-changing. It's life-transforming. Listen to this. This is entitled God, uh, Good News of Salvation. Isaiah 61 verse 3. The purpose, I guess, of the church, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Oh, let our church, let our church community be 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 filled with these kind of things where we are rubbing shoulders with those who who are struggling who are uh, at the ends uh, ends of their their thinking and we come along with with the oil of joy instead of mourning the garments of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness we have so much to give out to other people we have so much in our lives church time and time again we see God through the Old Testament blessing the nation of Israel. We see him bringing them out of slavery. He, we, see them, we see him restoring them to their homeland and to, to the place where he wanted them to be. Yet over and over through the book of Kings and Chronicles, what do we see? We see one king right raising up and leading the people in the ways of God. Then when he's had his time, when he goes and dies or whatever happens, here comes an evil, ungodly king who brings the nation of Israel into, into captivity, into despair. They, the nation of Israel went from prosperity and success through to following pagan gods and pagan religions and the nation perished. And then God would raise up another and then that would come to an end and the, they, they would go to failure and poverty again. Tonight, God can bring beauty for ashes in all of our lives. What needs to arise from the ashes of our life? God can rebuild the broken down areas of your heart, of your family, of your marriage. Those areas that are struggling, those areas that have been broken down through whatever it would have been. God can rebuild, bring restoration Bring hope in the midst of despair. The key is to trust him in the journey. Nehemiah was moved deep down in his heart for the desolation that was around him. He wasn't hopeless. But what he had seen and prayed about caused a faith to arise in his heart to see change than what he saw. Nehemiah chapter 1 verse Four and five says this. So it was when he heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned many days. 
I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. We're in the middle of a 21-day fast. If you've not started, we, we finish on the 21st. We finish this coming Thursday. Why not join in? There may be something that you need to fast about and pray about. Here, the, 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 he, he was moved. He, he was moved and wept before God. And he said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep covenant and mercy with those that you love and obey your commandments. Ah, oh, there was a confidence in Nehemiah's heart. He was saying, you're a covenant keeping God. You watch over your word. You make sure that everything in this book comes to pass. I'm standing on the promises. I'm going to see restoration. I'm going to see you restore the city gates of Jerusalem. And we can come before God in that same confident manner. I know in whom I had believed that he is able, that according to his riches, he will provide, he will bless, he will give us what we're asking for if it lines up with his word. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to us. It's getting our priorities right. Seek him first. Don't allow your world to revolve around the church. Let, let the church be at the very centre of all that you do. Nehemiah knew he couldn't provide for the materials. He knew he didn't have the ability to go through the land. So he prayed and he believed the power of prayer in restoration, the power of prayer to see things change is awesome. And here, Nehemiah, he shows us how to do this. You may not be able to change things in the natural, but you can stand in the gap. One of the things that Jane and I do on a regular basis, pretty much every day, is we pray for those Maybe it's a thousand or a thousand five hundred people who are going to die potentially this day through COVID. We pray, stand in the gap and we ask that the God of heaven will give them a moment that he will give a grace moment, a mercy moment where they in the midst of a coma, in the midst of, of, of being in a ventilator, that they have a God moment where they can either accept him or reject him. We're standing in the gap for every heart and life that is dying at this very moment, even today, even this next hour, that there will be a God moment in their lives. I love the simplicity of Nehemiah's prayer. Nothing fancy, nothing long-winded, it wasn't word perfect, just simple trust in God, knowing that he hears. Listen to this. I'm just going to finish uh, with this scripture and one last thought. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I'd never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad since you are not sick and there's nothing um, and um, you're not sick? This is nothing but sorrow in your heart. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tomb, lie, lies waste and the gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven and said to the king, that's a quick prayer. He, he, he didn't say, oh, hang on a minute, king, I'm going to go and pray. 
I'm not, I'm, I'm going to go and intercede. I'm going to spend the next five hours in prayer and I'll come back. No, no, no. The king said to me in verse four, the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven and said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. I love this. He said to me, I pray to heaven and I said back to him. Quick as that. That's the quickest prayer that I know of in the Bible. But you know what? God heard, moved upon the heart of the king and the king gave him everything that he wanted. Everything that he needed to rebuild. He gave him letters to go to all the woodsmen. Cut down as much trees, many trees as you like to build the gates. It was amazing. Nehemiah positioned himself so that he was ready for what came next. Church, let's position ourselves for the next of what God is wanting to do in our lives and in the church. Are we ready to rebuild? Are we prepared to do whatever it takes in the house of God to equip it, man it and get it ready for the future? Are we positioned? I absolutely believe that the greatest days for the church are still ahead of us. Family church, this is my prayer for you at this time and it's found in Nehemiah chapter 18 last scripture last thought Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 18 and I told them of the hand of my God which had been good upon me and also the king's words and what he had spoken to me then they said and, and I'm praying this is your heart this is the heart of family church. This is the heart of gospel and bridgemary together. This is the heart of each one who's called a Christian and a God lover and a God fearer. This is my prayer. And I'm praying that you will respond the same way. And they said, let us rise up and build. And they set their hands to do this work. Don't allow this to be just a simple message. Let it go down into your heart. Let it stir you to action as we move forward together and rebuild the house of God. I pray that you receive this tonight. Let me pray for you as we conclude and finish tonight. Father, I thank you for every heart and life and every home and every family and every couple that are hearing and listening and every single person tonight. I pray, Father, that in their heart, they too will have these words. Let us rise up and build. Let us be prepared to go and do whatever we need to do. Father, I pray that for those that are struggling, perhaps in moments and times of despair, Father, that you would move upon their heart. Lord, that you would ignite them with fire, that you would cause them to look to the heavens from whence comes their help. But Father, they too will cry out with their heart. Let us rise up and build. Lord, we lean on you. We rely on you. Just like Nehemiah, he relied on you. But he also put action to his words. Lord, let that be our heart too. Even this night, I pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. I pray and trust that you have an amazing week and allow the word of God to continue to minister into your heart. God bless you all. Take care. We love you and we look forward to meeting up soon. Bye bye.